Okay, if you have your Bible, go to Philippians chapter 2. Um, just want to remind you of the Pursuit 21. If you are not been praying with us, uh, we're meeting at 6.30 in the morning. Uh, there's a group that meets here. There's a group that meets at the courthouse in Sebring. There's a group that meets at Papa John's in Sebring, the hospital chapel inside Florida Hospital. The chapel may meet there uh, in the morning as well. And then the noon location in Sebring is Whispering Pines. So if you haven't been part of one of those, so you've missed out. We've had a great opportunity to gather and pray in the mornings. I've uh, been down at the courthouse. Uh, one of the neat parts of the courthouse is that um, there's about 10 or 11 or so college kids that walk down from GCBI. They walk down to the courthouse, pray with us, and go back. So it's been neat to see God do a lot of neat things in that. So if you're not part of that, jump in. Uh, if you don't have the devotional book, I'm pretty sure we're out of them, but you can go to the pursuit21.com and you can print it off if you like it. Basically, uh, our goal as pastors was to take you through the whole book of Philippians in these 21 days of prayer and fasting. So if you do that, you'll have your own commentary, your personal commentary of the book of Philippians. And so hopefully you'll do that and join in with us uh, as we study the Word of God together as a big church in the community and uh, thank the Lord for our friends that have written and been part of that with us. Uh, so excited about that. Philippians chapter 2 uh, this morning. I've already read you verses 5 um, through 11. And most of the time when you come to Philippians chapter 2, you read those verses first. And so this morning, as we go through the book of Philippians, um, you're going to do some in your devotions this week, but I want to take you through the first four verses. Um, I find myself often when I come to Philippians chapter 2, um, I just jump over to the 5 through 11. I love that chunk of scripture. Um, but this morning, we're going to take a look at an opportunity to exhort you towards humility. Now, uh, this morning... Uh, there's going to be parts of this that you're going to really enjoy as you think about your relationship with Christ. And then there's going to be other parts as you think about what Paul is going to write in front of you. It's going to be a little bit painful. You're going to get a chance to look yourself in the mirror this morning. And what's important as you gather around the Word of God this morning, that you don't think about your neighbor, you don't think about your spouse, you don't think about your children, don't think about your grandchildren. Think about the person sitting in your seat only. And so as we take a look at the Word of God this morning, ask the Lord to show you what He wants you to hear. And so as you have that in front of you, Philippians chapter 2, look at verse, um, well, I'm going to skip this part. Let's go to Philippians chapter 2 and verse 1. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with his spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete. For by, for, by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should not look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. As you have this passage of Scripture in front of you, I don't want you to miss these verses that are in front of verse 5. They're there for a reason. As you look at these first four verses, you're going to have to be able to use these four verses biblically in order to live out what you see Christ do in 5 through 11. If you jump just to 5 to 11, you get a chance to see an incredible picture of Christ's humility for you, and you're going to be, for the rest of your life, scratching your head, say, 
how do I make this work in my life? And so Paul's going to give you four verses that are in front of five to say, hey, if you want to have a life that is humility, you have to work your way through the first four verses. In those first four verses, you see statements. There's if lines. Okay, so the first one that I want you to see is in verse one. If you have any encouragement for being united with Christ. See, it's not about your neighbor. It's not about your parents. It's not about your in-laws. If you, sitting in your seat, have any encouragement from being united with Christ, how do I find encouragement by being united with Christ? You have to know who Christ is. You have to think about, okay, Lord, if I'm going to live a life of humility, we all have emotional and physical and spiritual needs. And there's a temptation to get our needs met by the people that are around us or things of this world. If I'm living in that world, if I'm living and say, okay, Lord, make me complete by this, I'm most likely not going to live a lifestyle of humility because I'm be looking for this way to make something happen in my life. Or I'm going to try to accomplish something rather than dwelling in the fact that I can find encouragement by being united with Christ. So I want to give you some verses. John chapter 14, 15, 16. I don't want you to turn to that one, but if you have some time, go back to this passage of Scripture. Why is, John, why is this important about being united with Christ? Well, John wants to make it very clear. Jesus is going to die on a cross. Three days later, he's going to rise again. What's important about him rising again is he's going to send us a helper, a comforter, the Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of truth. So now I have something inside of me because I've said yes to Jesus. I have a comforter. I have a counselor. I have the Spirit of truth living inside of me. Can I find any encouragement from that? Or take your Bible and go to Romans chapter 8. Any encouragement, any comfort being united with Christ? Well, here's an incredible passage of Scripture. Romans 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are what? In Christ. How many of us walked around this week in condemnation and we say that we're in Christ? There's something I'm taking for granted this morning. And, and I'm aware of it. I'm making, I guess I'm making an assumption. I'm making the assumption that if I handed you a microphone this morning and say, do you have a personal relationship with Christ, you would say yes to me. And making that assumption, then I want to challenge you. If you say, yeah, I believe in Christ, how many of us walked around in condemnation? Because in Christ, there is no condemnation. So if I want some encouragement this morning in my relationship with Christ, no matter what's behind me, can be held over me. It has no control over me. Now, there's going to be emotions and feelings and all that stuff come back. Those never go away. But I am not walking around in condemnation. Is there anyone in this room that has never made a mistake that they would like to go back and fix? Anyone to put their hand up and say, yeah, that's me? Right? So all of us have opportunities for condemnation. All of us have opportunities where Satan's going to work us over and over and over and over again. Guess what? If I'm going to live a life of humility, I don't have to live in condemnation. There's no condemnation. Now, here's another passage of Scripture that I think is really interesting. Staying in Romans chapter 8, 
flip over to verse uh, 31. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us. Look over at verse 39. Neither height nor depth or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of Christ, of God, that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Is that you this morning? Oh, yeah, I know. We're in church. And I know. Give you a microphone. Oh, yeah, I love Jesus. Really? You find encouragement this morning that nothing can separate you from Christ? Another passage of Scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 6-10. through 10. That's a passage of Scripture that talks about absent from the body, present with the Lord. I want them to know where those who have fallen asleep. I want to know, want them to know where they're going. Is that any encouragement to you this morning? It's probably not encouragement to you if you haven't lost anybody close to you. You don't really think about those things. Thankfully, that's, if that's you, God bless you. But those of us that have lost somebody that we love to be part of our life today and that are not coming back, those are comforting things for, those, for us. Those are things that encourage our heart. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. There's another. Go back to Philippians chapter 2. There's another if line in there. If any comfort comes from his love. Now, I know that we like to talk about Christ's love for us in our society, in, in the church in America. And we're always, you know, it's, it's neat to say, well, you know, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. And that is true, okay? I don't want to take that away, but I want us to bask in that thought. I want us to remind ourselves that the love of Christ compels me to do something. And I know you know John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He gave that gift for you. And so this morning as you think about it, and I'm going to, through Paul's words, I'm going to exhort you to humility But if you don't ever come to grasp that you are loved, humility is not going to be something that's easy for you. If you don't bask in Christ's love for you, you can't return that love to anybody else because you're going to be looking for it from other people. Another passage of Scripture, Galatians chapter 1, 3 through 5. So if you have your Bible, go there to Galatians. You can go left in your Bible, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Galatians chapter 1, uh, 3 through 5. Paul's writing to the church at Galatia. says these words to them. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins. Why did he do it? To rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of God and Father. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. He rescued you from a wicked world. He set you free. And I I realize that there have been times in your life where people have blessed you. And it's kind of awkward when you go around them because you might not be able to bless them back the way that they have blessed you. So if somebody writes you a check for a million dollars and you see them walking around Walmart, it's just kind of weird. Say, oh, well, that's the one that gave me a million dollars. But every time you probably see them, you're going to say, well, I just want to thank you. 
Thank you for your gift. This is how it's impacted my life. I realize that Christ didn't give you a million dollars, but he gave you life this morning because he rescued you from Satan and he set you free. Do you appreciate it? Is there something in my heart that says, wow, thank you, God, for what you've done for me. Thank you, Jesus, for being willing to rescue me. You've been set free. Are we willing to thank you, the, thank the one who set us free by living differently? By living according to the principles that he has for us. Here's another one. Go to Ephesians. So you're in Galatians. Go to Ephesians uh, chapter 1. Uh, pick it up in verse um, 3. I know I've referenced this passage of Scripture before, but it's just awesome. Praise be to God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his, in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Christ Jesus in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace that he has freely given us in the one he loves. I said this first hour, and I don't know why it came out this way, but it's amazing how the church in America that the majority of people say, yeah, you know, I'm a Christian. Oh, I love Jesus. We live our lives and walk around like we've been baptized in pickle juice. We're the most miserable people. Wait a minute. Is that really true? We should be walking around not in arrogance and humility, shoulders back, knowing that I belong to somebody who calms storms. He's my father. I should be walking around thinking about, wow, there goes sunset, sunrise, stars. That's my day. Instead of head down, living in condemnation, and not accepting the truth of God's word to infiltrate my life. You want to live in humility? You're going to have to deal with this. You're going to have to allow the love of Christ to compel you to be different. Next thing that I want you to see in the if statement is this one, fellowship with the Spirit. So go back to Philippians chapter 2, and you read these words. If any fellowship with the Spirit, a passage of Scripture that I kind of like is Romans chapter 8, 26 and 27, where it talks about His Spirit intercedes with our spirit. But you know what I was thinking about? It's really neat to be able to sit sitting around the Word of God, or if I'm in, if, if I have an you know, argument with Susan, and she'll make a word, statement, I'm thinking, okay, Lord, what does she really mean when she says that? What, what is in this for me? I want to know what this is. And it's like the Holy Spirit says, well, what about this? Or I'm sitting around a passage of Scripture, and for I don't know how, ma- how many years I've read Philippians chapter uh, 2, 5 through 11, and I've missed the first four verses. It's like the Holy Spirit said, read the first four verses. Okay. Oh, if I am going to live in humility, then I have to grasp this. I get excited when the, when the Lord says something to me. Or I read a passage of scriptures, oh, have you thought about this? Or I'm in a conversation, maybe this happened to you, and you're really trying to work on James chapter 1, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and somebody's talking to you, and you're not thinking about your response to them, and then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit says, well, maybe you need to encourage them with this word. Oh, I have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And then you say that back to this person, and you had no idea, and it's like, you'll never know what that meant. Fellowship with the Spirit. 
Now, I'm going to encourage you. I tried to figure out a way to express this, but I want to encourage you to soak in the presence of God. Because what these next verses are going to ask you to do, you can't do. And unless you're going to Christ saying, Christ, you've got to fill me up in order for me to live this, this life, it's not going to happen. So he gave, Paul gave the if statements. Now look at verse 2. Then make my joy complete. So how are we going to make Paul's joy complete? By being like-minded, having the same love, being in one spirit and purpose. Stop there. So you got the then statement. So I asked myself, what does it mean to be one in spirit and one in purpose? Well, what I think he's talking about it, because if you go back to chapter 1, he talks about a partnership with the gospel. So our lives, one in spirit, need to be involved in salvation and discipleship. And I think it was, I think it was Rodney was with us this morning. Rodney Hollinger was talking with us this morning. And Rodney just made a, made a statement. He said, how many people have come to Bible Fellowship Church because of my life, or went to another church because of my life. I thought, that's a really interesting statement. He said, I am a missionary to Highlands County. That's my responsibility. Now, there's a lot of things that you and I can partner in that aren't bad, but as you go through Paul's heart and passion, I want to be one in Christ with what? Salvation. God, get me involved in people's lives that don't know Jesus. Now, here's the difficult one discipleship. All of us are scared of this word because we think we have to teach something to somebody else, right? What is discipleship? It's you saying yes to Jesus in the next spiritual step. It's you coming back to this passage of scripture in Philippians chapter two and say, okay, Lord, I need some encouragement by being united in you. So give me some passage of scripture, Lord, that I can be encouraged by your word. Discipleship. When you read the word of God, and it calls sin, sin, you need to call sin, sin. And then you need to repent. All right, Lord, I'm wrong. The Bible says this, I'm wrong. I don't know about you, but it gets a little squirmy when people start talking about repentance. It gets a little confrontational. So when was the last time you repented? No, you sitting in your seat. No, Lord, I'm wrong. Lord, I've been living in, in, in another area of life thinking, you know what, Lord? I haven't been encouraged by being united with you. I haven't basked in your love. I haven't thought about the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, what you're doing in my life. I haven't done those things. So I need to ask for forgiveness. Now, here's where the word of God's going to, where I would, this is where you need to say, ouch, Okay. These next verse, this it, it's just going to hurt. It's going to punch you right in the face. All right, so I'm not going to back away from it because these aren't my words. This is Paul, so if you want to get mad at Paul, fine. He's probably not really going to worry about it, but go for it. You can get mad at him if you want to. But I'm going to challenge you to take this spiritual growth step. These are Paul's words. Look at this, verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Just stop right there. How much of this week has been selfish ambition and vain conceit? Selfish ambition. Maybe you can define it um, from this perspective. You push for your will, your agenda. It's got to be about you. 
Okay, it's about me today. Vain conceit. I want to make sure everybody saw me do that. Yeah, just look at me. I'm right here. It was me. It's all about me. Paul's words to us, if we're the ones that said, okay, Lord, we understand your love, then my life should not be about me. It should be about others. Is that what Christ's life was about? It was about others. Now, what's interesting, I don't want you to get too, too upset yet because there's verse 4 here, okay? So I want you to read verse 4. Each of you should look not only to your own interests. I think there's interests. We have interests, right? So if I say to Susan, we're driving, especially if we go out of town, I say, where do you want to eat? Well, if there's the first thing that she will Google is Chick-fil-A. I'm not interested in eat, really eating at Chick-fil-A. I don't mind eating there. I like, you know, steak, meat, you know, potatoes. Let's get some food here, right? So what do I say to her? We never go to Chick-fil-A because life is about me. Scripture is very clear. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility. You making the choice for somebody else's needs rather than yourself. I know you have preferences. I'm not asking you to die to your preferences. If I get my opportunity to eat, I'm going to eat steak, baked potato with sweet tea and a roll. Okay, that's my preference. And if I get the opportunity, I'm going to eat it. I'm not saying don't do your preferences. Paul's not saying live in a box and just you know do nothing for yourself. It's very clear. But he's also saying to you, what about others? Consider others better than yourself. Lord, what can I do for so-and-so? God, how can I bless so-and-so? Does that make sense? But will you do it? Will we say, Lord, because of our relationship in humility, I will set myself aside to bless somebody else? Here's kind of a definition that I was looking at for humility. A spirit of pride in human relations indicates a lack of humility before God. A spirit of pride in human relationships indicates a lack of humility before God. That's your heart. Think about those words. If I'm living here, I'm basing for myself, I'm really saying, God, I don't need you. God, I have disrespect for your word because I choose to live for me. Interesting now, as you think about um, our 21 days of prayer and fasting, going through the book of Philippians, and uh, we were at the courthouse yesterday, and uh, Mr. Giuliano at the Methodist Church, he wrote um, this for yesterday. And I want you to think about this from a perspective of a church person, a gospel person, for an individual that says, yes, I love Jesus. Okay, great. You say that you love Jesus. The gospel then will encourage you to live other than just for you. So the gospel, that is, the counter-initiative nature of the gospel, the more we meet the needs of others, the more our deepest needs are met. Is that true? Yeah, it is. Why is that true? Because you've allowed Jesus to meet your deepest need. 
And when we do those things, we have a tendency to say, okay, Lord, how can I help this person? Now here, go to, go to, go to Philippians chapter 2, which you all know, which I've already read to you. Here's the best illustration, best word picture that you could ever put down on a piece of paper of humility. Your attitude. Because I've met with Christ, because I've been encouraged by Christ, because I found comfort in his love, because I have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. There's some other if statements, but I couldn't do all those. Because I want my joy to be complete, because I want the gospel to matter, because I'm working on not living my life out of selfish ambition, but in humility, your attitude should be that, is that the same of Christ Jesus, who being the very nature of God, did not, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. As you look at those, those verses, I won't read all of them, but look at verse 6. Equality wasn't a priority to Jesus. Verse 7, he made himself nothing. Verse 8, he humbled himself. Verse 9, God exalted him. As we see the cross, may we see that word picture. May it remind us that, wait a minute, he sacrificed for me. I guess you can wrap it all up here, and this is going to be come out of verse 14, and it's really going to be an evaluation for you. And again, I beg you, please, take this evaluation for you. I'm not taking this for Susan or Seth or Rachel or Ryan. I'm taking this evaluation for me. Look at verse 14. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may be blame, become blameless and pure children of God, without fault in a crooked and a depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. That's the goal, that we would shine, that we would be different, that people would say, What's, why are they that way? How, how can they empty themselves because Christ filled me? How can I not, enjoy, I, can, I can enjoy my own interest, but Lord, help me see the interest of, of somebody else that is around me because I've grasped God's love for me. And so this morning, on a scale of one to 10, how much are you a complainer? Because it's pretty hard to shine the, the, the glory of the gospel when you're complaining. So this is kind of what I did. As I look at Philippians chapter 2, I want to kind of go, go backwards for you, okay? As I've done this for me, I want to go backwards. Lord, how can I stop complaining? Well, my attitude should be that of Christ Jesus, where I consider humility something that I need to grasp. All of us sitting in this room, do verse 3 of Philippians chapter 2 very easily. It comes natural. All of us have no problem taking care of ourselves. Just ask you. Okay? It comes natural. That's not bad. It's just a fact. Take the fact. Okay? Don't sidestep the fact. Take the fact. How do I, am I going to replace the selfish ambition? How do I get rid of the pride? How do I get a heart for others? Because you spent time with Jesus. You've allowed him. You sat down and you said, wow, there is a purpose to my life. It is the gospel going backwards, tenderness, compassion, fellowship with the Spirit, 
comfort from His love, because you've been united with Christ, your life can be different. I don't know where you are this morning, but as I've worked my way through these first four verses, it was pretty embarrassing between me and Jesus. I'll just be honest. And so there had to be some time with me and the Lord saying, okay, look, I really don't like these first four verses. I really just kind of enjoyed going to 5 through 11. And then you slap 14 in there like you really wanted to make me do a life evaluation. Okay? So you have to go back to your Savior, and maybe you just need to repent. As you come to the truth of Scripture, maybe you just need to say, hey, it's time for you to fill me up again. That's okay, all right? It's okay. We're all broken. We all have issues. Just ask your family, your co-mate at work. We have them, okay? It's not bad. But let's have enough guts and encouragement to say, okay, Lord, I've got my issues but you came and you died for me. So I want to go in a different direction. You taught me something. You took your word. You put it right in front of me. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. This is going to be a tough week. All right. Let's go. And you can do these things if you replace some of this stuff with your personal time with Jesus. Don't sidestep that time. Don't go find the verses that you like. Don't go find the verses that are convenient. Find the hard verses. When was the last time you read Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3 and said, man, I really love this verse. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. A great verse. No, we don't, do we? But now that it's in front of you, allow it to teach you. Allow the Holy Spirit, give him permission. It's okay, Holy Spirit, go ahead and begin working. That's hard, I know. You don't like criticism. You don't like confrontation. You don't like feeling bad. It's okay, he loves you. There's no condemnation between you and your Savior. He's not mad at you. He's not disappointed in you. He doesn't have that dirty look on on his face the way your parents did, okay, or your boss had. That's not how it works. He said, I want a relationship with you, and I'll die for you, but you've got to give me permission to continue working in your life. You've got to give him permission to grow up spiritually. So take this truth and grow up. Take the exhortation to be, to be humble. And so, okay, if this is what the Word of God wants me to go, this is where he wants me to look like. He wants me to look like Philippians chapter 2, 5 through 11. There's where I'm going. How am I going to get there? You find encouragement from him. You find this bask in his love. You find fellowship with the Spirit, and then you run with him. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I don't know what you're doing in hearts today. I'm kind of glad you can talk to somebody else, because it's been a long week. So listen to him. I don't know what he's saying to you, but listen. Listen clearly. Don't run from him. Don't get mad at him. Don't say, oh, poor me. Don't give excuses. Just surrender. Just say, uncle, I give in. Allow him to change you. He's not mad at you. You're not a bad person. Find encouragement from Find encouragement from the Word of God. Find comfort that your Heavenly Father loves you. And that never changes. 
and comfort that your heavenly Father wants to speak to you through his word and through the Holy Spirit. He wants to intercede with you. He wants to guide you. He wants to give you input. So listen for him. Father, we're sorry that our selfish ambitions and our vain conceit come so natural to us. So I pray through the power of your Holy Spirit, you would change this Holy Spirit. You would do something in our lives. Father, thank you for allowing Paul to write some words that are very uncomfortable, very convicting. Reminds us of, a, uh, reminds us of our brokenness. Reminds us of our issues. But in other senses, it sets us free because we don't have, we can't do this. But you can. With you, we can. So help us, Father. It's your opportunity now to hear his voice. It's your opportunity to run or to confront change. My exhortation to you is is humility needs to be part of our lives. So God, as we go our different places, may our homes be affected by the gospel. May our homes be affected by your word. May our homes be guided by your word. Thank you, Father, for this day. In your name I pray. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.